Look good, run gooder. Gooder makes glasses in super fun colors and styles that flatter everyone. And with polarized lenses, gooders are the most affordable performance shades on the planet. Go to gooder.com slash AMR to check out my favorite gooders and get some of your own. A shout out to Curex for bringing you this episode. Curex is the leading over-the-counter insole that is highly customizable and provides dynamic arch support. Visit curex.us and use code AMR15 for 15% off. Curex, the final step to better running. Thanks to KiwiCo for supporting Another Mother Runner. KiwiCo creates super cool hands-on projects for kids to make learning about STEAM fun. Designed by experts and tested by kids. Get your first month free on select crates at kiwico.com AMR. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Maggie Palmer. Hello, Maggie. Hey, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm fresh off a bike ride. I decided you to... seem very calm. You seem like that, <laughs> you know, after a workout, calm. Yeah, and after a shower, calm. So yeah. uh, a twofer. I could, I could feel it. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I'm glad I'm radiating it. So, yes, so I... Um, did the love the run you're with 10 mile on Sunday and pushed really hard and met my goal by three seconds. Woo. And, Yay. um, and so then, um, swam on Monday morning, which is unusual. Um, Molly had taken the day off because she and I were supposed to be in Missoula for the marathon over the weekend. So she had just kept the day off. So, um, so I'd been thinking, oh, I'd really like to swim tomorrow. And then Molly texts me out of the blue and she's like, any chance you want to swim tomorrow? I'm like, why? Yes, I do. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then we ran yesterday and then, but Ooh, my legs were feeling it. So I'm like, yeah, I think it's time to hit the bike. So yeah, I was feeling that 10 miler because I kept hitting snooze. Oh. So <laughs> did not get up as early as I had wanted to. Oh, so how hot it. was it? little sticky, a little sweaty. I'm not really a sweater. I'm more like a really. Yeah. Oh, wow. I sweat enough for the two of us. Okay. Yeah. I was very drenched. (laughs) It was was hot. I got to mile eight and I was like, "Mm." (laughs) oh my God. Help me out here. See, I don't have the positive mantras. Like all of you, you're all like, I can do it. You're amazing. I'm like, if you quit when you have two miles to go, I will never forgive you. <laughs> you have a conversation with yourself. I like it. Yeah, uh, we fight. People stay away from me. It's great. It's been good for COVID. <laughs> Give People off that little me a crazy. Wide yes. <laughs> yes. I stop and then I yell at myself. Go sell crazy someplace else, lady. We're awful up here. <laughs> I love that movie. I was just quoting that movie Thank the you. other day. Thank you for knowing I was quoting it. Yep, yep, yep. Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yes, Kevin. yes. He's infinitely quotable. Uh, <laughs> I always think of it when, like, because my husband always forgets. So, so the waiter walks away and my husband's like, they're like, oh, also, uh, can you bring barbecue sauce? And I always think of that part in the movie when Jack Nicholson, like, orders for him and Helen Hunt. And uh-huh. the guy had an, like across the room at another table. He's like, I'll tell your waiter. <laughs> I'm like, that's, I'm like, Ryan, that's how I feel every time you do that. Like, can you just wait till they come back? That is so funny. I really only, the, the, I did not enjoy that movie. And wh- why am I forgetting the name of that movie? Oh, it's going to kill me. Oh my as gosh. As good as it gets. 
As good as it gets. Okay. Yes. And pretty much the only part I remember is him opening up the door and saying, <laughs> go so crazy someplace else, lady. We're all full up here. <laughs> There's so many good one-liners in that movie. Like when they're in the car and like everybody is depressed and going through terrible stuff. You're like, some people are having a great time in life. No one in this car, but <laughs> some people somewhere, somebody. I feel that way when we're on a road trip. I'm like, somebody's enjoying a road trip somewhere. (laughs) Not throwing donuts all over the car. It could be kind of a, you know, um, (laughs) analogy for all of life right now. Somewhere on the planet, people are having a great, (laughs) beings are having a great time. Somewhere, somewhere in the Milky Way. Yes. (laughs) On another planet. Right. Similar to ours. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. But there in Ohio, you are back to doing Orange Theory, I hear, right? I am. I don't you know. Nobody get mad. Um, the cat's out of the bag. Yeah, yes. I've been going. And you know me, I go like four or five times yeah. a week. I mm-hmm. mean, they're being, you know, as safe as we all can be, taking temperatures, um, limited class size, you know, the instructors are wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I need it. It's, it's like for my soul, for my mind, uh-huh. as much as for my body, maybe even more so. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, so, and then, um, do they are, like, are there, is there an empty treadmill between you and the next person? Yeah. Yeah. It's like every other, and then, you know, every other rower and it's a three G, which means, uh, you've got three groups going at a time. So then you've got a couple of people on the weight floor and I go at like the 9, 15, 10, 30 class. So it's usually there's maybe 12 people max typically. Mm. Um, so, I mean, you know, it feels pretty safe. And are I don't you t- know. Are you touching the same weights that other people touched? Or do you have like, that's like, that's Maggie's 25 pound, you know, dumbbell type of I thing. I wish it was. Our studio is too small to do that. But I know some studios have made like a box and there's your treadmill, your rower, your weights and that's yours. Mm -hmm. But, um, we clean it in between, you know, switching, Um, but you do, a lot of people will leave the weights out even after they clean them just to kind of be like, you know, this is, has my juju on it. So (laughs) use a different one. (laughs) I do that. Getting thrown around. Uh (laughs) I mean, yeah, we're all, I, you know, we're breathing the same air, but they, they don't turn the fans on. So it's kind of like hot yoga. Oh, see, I because. would think turning the fans on would be a better move and opening the door and. All yeah, that. I guess they say that like the fans will kind of circulate, you know, if somebody coughs, it'll travel faster. I mean, I don't know. But it Honestly, be- it's probably the most dangerous thing I'm, I've done since March is mm-hmm. like going to Orange Theory. I, I don't really go to the store. Uh, Ryan goes, so. Oh, and you get, you get delivery too, don't you? Yeah, we get, yeah, we have like our every other week, um, grocery delivery and they leave it on the front porch and Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm trying to be super safe, but then I say that, but then I'm like, I'm going to orange theory. So I get it. I'm kind of like a walking contradiction, but (laughs) I don't know. I, I, I just love it. I love, you know, I love to work out and I don't have weights at home. I was lifting Finn, my (laughs) five-year-old. Uh, <laughs> how much does so, he weigh <laughs> oh gosh I don't know I thought he was about 30 pounds but I'm thinking it might be closer to 50 yeah no because Augie the French Bulldog weighs kind of 26 pounds and he's like a little cashew of a guy so I don't I don't yeah. think he, the kid's yeah. got some heft he's he's pretty thick <laughs> 
if I knew where the scale was, I would find it. But of course I hid that from myself in a moment of rage. And I, so I don't know where it is now. <laughs> it's so funny. When I was young, my mother would hide stuff like, oh, their house got broken into a couple of times. So she would, you know, like hide the few pieces of jewelry that she still had left and that she'd inherited or whatnot. And so then she's be like, oh, I want to, I want to, um, you know, put on, you know, my pearls, but I don't remember where I hid them. And and when I was a kid, I thought, oh, come on. Like, are you kidding me? Like, of course you do. And now I'm like, oh, mama, totally get it. I know. Ryan's like, hey, where's the scale? I'm like, hmm. Like when I punish the kids, I hide their iPads and they'll be like, okay, a week's up. I get my iPad back. I'm like, well, (laughs) technically you're correct. (laughs) And now the hunt begins. I just always tell myself, if I were Sarah, where would I have hidden it? <laughs> I do the same thing. See, you talk to yourself too. Yes. You're walking around your house talking to yourself. Oh yeah. 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 It's a little more awkward now that everybody's home though, to talk to yourself. I know, I, I know. I, they're always here. Right. I talk to myself more in an empty house than in a house that has people in it. Yeah. Like I didn't want to interrupt your call. I was like, oh, I wasn't on a call. <laughs> Talking to the fish. <laughs> fish is so kind. He's such a good listener. I have a fish on my desk and it it's staring at me right now. I wish you could see it. If oh. you follow me on Facebook, you would see the antics of this fish. Oh my god. It's a gosh. beta. I mean, he wants to fight me and I feed him. So I don't know. I don't know what his problem is. Yeah, I'm talking to you, fish. <laughs> He's staring at me right now. <laughs> My son John has wanted a fish for, I don't know, going on probably eight or nine months. And I'm just always like, no, 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 no. You don't find that the that they make kind of the air around them kind of stinky? Like the um, well, so I have two in my office because my daughter insisted on getting a fish, and she also has a cat that hangs out mm, in her room. Mm. So you can imagine what happened next. Um, <laughs> put that R. into Montel Gesso <laughs> file. So now both fish are in my office, and we've got these big tanks that the cat like can't push, you know, because they uh, love that's the cat thing. Like, ah, oh, it's in my way. I'm going to push it. Let's push oh, it off the shelf. So I have two fish, um, but they have filters, so they don't smell. Oh, okay. And they're betas. And and it's funny that you said that because yesterday morning I was about to go out on Meet Molly for the run and I suddenly hear like clang, 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 upstairs. And I was like, what, what, what? And um, went upstairs and it didn't sound like anybody was around. And then I heard it again. And so I went back upstairs. Oh, and there was our cat Leo just sitting there with a broken glass that he decided to knock because, you know, you got to have a glass in a tiled bathroom. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, he'd knock that off. So I see now what's going to happen if we get a fish tank that's too small. Yeah. So you really have to get a big one. Um, but it's got the carbon filter and then I always get the plants mm. like the water plants and they mm-hmm. kind of filter it as well. Oh, and they're pretty. They're pretty. Yeah. So I have a fish on my desk and then a fish on the other desk in my office. Wow. All right. Well, I think now you need to put this picture on the, um, at the mother runner Instagram account so that we can, you know, Oh, just, I will. Yeah. Just put, yeah. You know, was here's the fish I was talking about, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. He lives in a little, in the SpongeBob pineapple house. Oh, pineapple. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Again, my daughter. So, and he, <laughs> My office looks like a carnival. So he comes out of the little, like the top window and he'll just come at me and then he'll go back in. Does he All have a, day. <laughs> a squirrel friend who wears a little 
round globe over her head so that she can breathe underwater. Oh yeah, that's right. That's her house. How do you know these things? I love SpongeBob. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. The whole thing is SpongeBob themed. And then the other one is kitty cat themed. Oh boy. All right. All right. Well, now I really need to see this. I really I need to see it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll show you. Oh my goodness. Well, all right. Well, today's topic was suggested by a longtime listener, a young grandmother runner named Casey. And she pointed out that due to the pandemic, many women are now running solo instead of like with a best running friend or a group. And thus she feels self-defense and personal safety become more of an issue, which when she pointed that out, we're like, why? Yes. Yes, it is. So we'll talk with a self-defense expert after this break. Stay tuned. We're in good with Gooder. Dimity and I are both protecting our eyes and upping our cool factor in pairs of the performance sunglasses. You might have spied Dimity this week on our Instagram feed, showcasing a gorgeous smile and a favorite pair of Gooders while on a chill recovery ride. There are so many beautiful things about Gooders, but let's start with the price. At $25 a pop, you can afford multiple pairs of Gooders, which is, well, good because Gooders come in styles that flatter just about everyone. Choose frames in a veritable rainbow of colors, including royal blue, jade green, juicy orange, aqua purple, two shades of pink, and more. Fancy white frames instead? Gooder has six to choose from, including the Cecily named Glinda's resting witch face. Gooders are exceptionally lightweight and they stay secure and comfortable no matter your pace or your distance. And my favorite feature of Gooders? The lenses are polarized, giving crisp definition to the scenery and the surface ahead of you. Again, all for just $25 a pair, which is the reason, honestly, that Gooder is offering our listeners nothing, nothing at all. No discounts needed when they're already the most affordable performance shades on the planet. Go to gooder.com slash AMR. That's G-O-O-D-R dot com slash AMR now to check out my favorite Gooders and to get a pair or three of your own. Look good, run Gooder. One of the best parts of our AMR gig is talking to runners across the country and beyond. Dimity and I have talked to so many women, whether in person or on podcasts, and it pains us when we talk with injured runners or someone who's struggling. We love to offer solutions, whether advice or product recommendations. So let us introduce you to Curex Insoles, which we think of as the final step to better running. Curex is the leading over-the-counter insole that is highly customizable and provides dynamic arch support. We know there are a lot of add-to-your-shoe options, yet insoles shouldn't just be cushioning and shouldn't also be stiff like a custom orthotic. Curex delivers the best of both these options. Curex insoles are flexible support with just the right level of rigidity. They have a thin, low profile, yet still deliver maximum support and comfort. Curex Run Pro insoles are available in three profiles, high, medium, and low. Dimity and I both have high arches and our feet, knees, hips, and backs thank us for adding Curex insoles to our shoes. Earlier this year, before I started training for what was supposed to be my 15th marathon, I really worried whether my aging body would be able to handle the mileage and volume of training. I was delighted it could, and I give credit to Curex for carrying me through. Try Curex risk-free today. The company offers a 60-day warranty, even if the product has been cut to fit your shoes. Visit Curex.us and use code AMR15 for 15% off a pair of Curex insoles. That's C-U-R-R-E-X dot U-S with code AMR15 for 15% off. Curex.us. 
Hey to all my fellow parents out there. You might feel like your kid's summer vacation started way early if you've been at home together for a while. My kids have been home for about 11 to 7 years. Well, maybe not exactly, but it's been a few months. So now that actual summer vacation is here, learning at home doesn't have to stop. And in fact, here's a really fun way to learn at home. Believe it or not, a lot of kids are missing school right now as we head into summer break. Enter my personal savior, KiwiCo, who's been delivering a science fair and art classes right to my door. I was even surprised by how much I loved this as an adult. I may have stolen the stained glass window ornaments for myself. Don't tell my daughter. But I let the boys have at it with a wooden ukulele because my five and 12 year old are way better at following instructions than me. KiwiCo creates super cool hands-on projects for kids to make learning about STEAM fun. Science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Designed by experts and tested by kids, there's no need to research or worry about gathering all the supplies. There's no commitment, so you can pause or cancel anytime. KiwiCo is redefining play with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get your first month free on select crates at kiwico.com slash AMR. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash AMR. Our guest today is Jennifer Cassetta, a self-defense expert and health and empowerment coach based in Santa Monica, California. A former runner, Jen has a third degree black belt in the martial art of Hapkido. She's the author of Hear Me Roar, How to Defend Your Mind, Body, and Heart Against People Who Suck. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thank you so much, Sarah and Maggie. I'm very excited to be here. Good, good. And that's a great title. I liked saying that. I know. I like it as well. <laughs> um, so we usually ask guests about their running background, but instead, can you please tell us about your uh, martial arts experience, which we have to admit is way more badass since we're... We're going to have potty mouths today. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and and just to say it because we're talk, you know, on a running podcast, I love to run. Um, and running was a part of my martial arts training. Like it just mm-hmm. helped keep me more fit um, as I was as I was dedicated to the martial art of Hapkido. So basically it started a long time ago in the year 2000. I feel a little ancient when I say that, but um I had just, I was probably out of college for about two years living in New York City and bored of just kind of going to the gym and trying to figure out something to keep me fit. So I started a martial arts class and within probably the first class, I just fell in love with it. Um, I started to just feel so strong in my body and doing these badass moves to, you know, feel more confident. Um learning life-saving skills, all of these amazing things. Um, I had a couple of crazy incidences happen in that first year that really, um, how would you say, basically cemented my training into my life for good. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, so what do you think is the most common misconception about martial arts? Well, I would say there's a few, but but in general, I think that for the most part, people find it intimidating. Um, and that's kind of been one of my missions in the last two decades, really, of teaching self-defense is to make it more friendly to more to more people, um, specifically to women, so they can learn some of those 
butt kicking skills, you know, in case <laughs> they ever need it. Um, the, the thing is there's so many different kinds of martial arts that, um, that sure on, on first glance, if you're just looking at it from a whole might look intimidating, but there's a very big difference between martial arts and martial sport. And I'll explain in a, in a nutshell, um, what became popular, I would say in the last decade or so, um, are, is more like martial sport. That's the UFC type of stuff where people are like fighting in cages. And stuff. That oh is, gosh, I feel like that's always on when I'm at a restaurant. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to eat like fries with ketchup and I'm watching this man get his face bashed in. I'm like, what? Can we change yeah. the channel HGTV? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, not dinner material. Definitely yeah. not. Um, so, so that's not really what martial arts is about, right? The, the art part is missing. And in, in traditional martial arts, um, it's not about just kicking someone's ass in a cage. It's about discipline and meditation and there's a spiritual aspect and it's about really just training your mind, body, and spirit, um, to essentially be a better person. I know it, it sounds kind of corny, but there really is this bigger um, philosophy. There's lots of different um, philosophical, philosophical tenets to martial arts, depending on which one you study in. So um, the one that I trained in, which you've already mentioned, is called Hapkido, which is a Korean style um, and a very mixed bag, if you will. You get a lot of different training um techniques you get to practice from the floor you get to practice um standing up sparring all different kinds of self-defense movements so it's it, it was it was my heart and my soul for for many many years awesome awesome well yeah. thank you for that clarification that was enlightening okay. um, <laughs> yeah yeah so as we often do we asked our amazing community on facebook to suggest questions so we're just going to jump um in feet first here this question's mm-hmm. from Kimberly, how do you overcome the fear of being attacked while running alone enough to enjoy the run? Yeah, such a good question. Um, So before I actually answer any questions, what I really want to get across is when I teach self-defense, which I've now been doing on my own and um, kind of all over the country, at colleges, at conferences, um, corporations, I really just like to give people, and obviously when I'm teaching women self-defense, women specifically, um, options. So Mm -hmm. anything, any of these questions that you're going to ask me that are very specific, I'm going to try and give as many options as I can, because I think it's a kind of irresponsible to to tell people, oh, always do this one thing, Mm -hmm. right, when you're out there. Martial arts starts as a, or sorry, self-defense starts as a mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and really that's the first thing I ever teach. I teach the ABCs of self-defense first, which are awareness, boundaries, and communication. I can get into that kind of as we answer all the questions. But even before that, to answer Kimberly's question, um, talking about fear, it's really important to know what the body and brain does when someone's in fear. Mm. Um, and really there are a few different things. There's three F's, if you will, um, that can happen when you're in traumatic fear, when, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope no one out there has ever had to deal with this, but I know I have, and I'll explain in a minute, but 
the three F's are fight, flight, and freeze. Mm-hmm. Um, when the there's a part of the brain called the amygdala, and it's in the back part of your brain. Um, when that becomes lit up by fear, intense fear, and actually intense stress, kind of like a lot of people are going through right now with this whole pandemic, um, stress and fear light up this part of the brain. And like I said, three things can happen. Fight, right? Which is awesome. Yeah, let's fight back. Let's defend ourselves, okay? Then there's flight, which is run away, get the heck out of there as fast as you can. And the third one is freeze. And that's the um, that's the one that I really just want to hone in on and make sure people are aware of mm-hmm. because it's easy to say, okay, yeah, let's fight back every time. But there is this phenomenon that is a natural part of basically your brain trying to protect yourself um, where women and men, you know, shut down, literally their body shuts down. This happened to me on September 11th when I was three blocks south of the World Trade Center. Mm. To make a long story short, I was um, thrown into a utility closet with a bunch of strangers that were running, bum rushing the lobby of the building I was standing in looking for shelter. So when I got into that that room, this tiny room with all these strangers, my body literally shut down. I felt frozen. Um, I felt like I just couldn't move yet. I was aware that I'm about to die, or at least I thought I was. Um, and I was crying. So that's the first time I really felt that freeze phenomenon, if you will. Um, and I, and I think it's really important just to again, bringing it up to make sure people know that that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Now you can get out of it and that's what training is all about. Um, but even just knowing that it's a possibility, your brain might remember, oh yeah, I heard this thing on the podcast once mm-hmm. where my body could freeze and I don't have to stay here in frozen mode, right? I can move. I can jolt myself out of it if needed. Mm-hmm. Does that all make sense? So, and in terms of jolting yourself out of it, it's just kind of remembering that and just almost saying in your head, you know, move or act or do something. Yeah. Yell, scream, move, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, do anything to get my body out of this frozen mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So back, so to Kimberly's question, how do you run without the fear? Um, A, it's about empowering yourself with the knowledge, which is what we're doing right now, right? Speaking Mm -hmm. about it, making sure you know what what might happen to your body, different scenarios. I remember, you know, living in New York while I was really training every single day. I would play out different scenarios in my head, sitting on the subway, for example. Like, what if this were to happen right now? I'm the only one on the car. And what Mm -hmm. if this were to happen? So same type of thing for you out there running whether you're running in um, more urban areas or more rural areas, same thing, like just kind of being mentally prepared that if something were to happen, what are my options? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, and, and I mean, certainly on a run or thinking about your run, you have time to do that, you know? Absolutely. That- yeah. And, and obviously the whole a part of the ABCs, the awareness part is the most important part of self-defense and personal safety for anyone, no matter where you are and what you're doing, um, Mm -hmm. is to have a, 
you know, an alertness about you where you're not just completely zoned out. If you're, you're not completely zoned into your phone or mm-hmm. even, even your run, right. Just always just keeping an alertness about you looking around, scanning for red flags, checking your back from time to time. I always definitely say that to runners as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So as a follow-up to Kimberly's question, so in her question on Facebook, she told us that she was five foot two and mm-hmm. um, I'm five eleven. So I was, so that to me is a marked difference. So I was going to mention that as a detail before asking her question, but then I wondered, does size matter when it comes to safety? Well, it's funny because I am five two as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I thought about that question. I'm like, you know, Yes and no. I trained with people of all shapes, sizes, genders, everything. And, you know, you can think about it in a very physical way. Obviously, someone who might be perceived, uh, who is smaller, might be perceived as not having uh, the ability to generate that much power. Mm-hmm. So perhaps a predator is, may choose a, um, a target that looks easier but easier just also means distracted, means not looking confident, right? It's all about mm-hmm. body language. So no matter what size you are, you can put on strong body language. You can communicate non-verbally in a powerful way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that you're, you know, as, as pro runners, you're always talking about form and posture and all of that. And that definitely plays into the safety and self-defense too, because having that beautiful posture, those shoulders back, stomach in, and also making eye contact with anyone around you is going to give off um, a sense of more alertness and more confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in that aspect, no, size doesn't necessarily matter. Anyone of any size can generate power within their body. They can feel confident. And it's really about attitude. It's about mm-hmm. releasing that inner tiger, no mm-hmm. matter what size you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Or you just yell at yourself on the trail like me and people are like, Lou, <laughs> what do you yell? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just telling Sarah that to get through my 10 miler on Sunday, I, I um, had a conversation with myself out loud. So <laughs> I love that. Okay. Awesome. So our, <laughs> our next question is from Katie. Um, mm-hmm. She says, I've been in martial arts training for nearly five years. I feel much safer running now while I live in a very safe place. Um, just the knowledge that I've been trained in self-defense makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. I hope I never have to use anything I've learned, but I'm more confident knowing that I can. So, um, Jen, we would love to hear from you. Can you tell us more about the importance of self-confidence and how we can bolster it? Absolutely. Um, in fact, I have a whole, I think it's so important that I have a whole, um, little course on that, that I could tell you guys about at the end, but, um, and, and I'll just say that my confidence training, if you will, I'm using air quotes, I know you can't see me, but um, <laughs> really was through my martial arts training, it, especially after that 9-11, after that time, I was definitely, um, I wouldn't say suffering, but I definitely had PTSD, um, loud noises made me nervous, I was just all shaken up, my, my nervous system was fried. And over time, all I wanted to do was go back to the dojo and train, 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 because I started to feel obviously physically getting stronger, 
spiritually feeling more grounded, but really my confidence was starting to come back stronger than ever. And I believe, you know, that 10 years where I spent at the dojo with all these wonderful teachers um, has given me uh, a foundation of confidence that is unshakable, that will never go away. And I can only build on that from there. So, um, so yeah, uh, I love how it was a Katie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She, she has the same experience that I had, right. Um, Mm -hmm. because it's because of the martial arts training specifically is mind, body and spirit. Um, that confidence kind of just is growing within you throughout, but you don't have to be a martial artist, obviously, to um, work on your confidence. I'm writing a second book right now, and it, the main, it's, it's about badassery, really, but to (laughs) me, the word being a badass or feeling like a badass is really about stepping into your power and Mm -hmm. feeling confident whenever you need to. Confidence is a state of mind that you can tap into um, when and where you need it. Right? It's not like you were born with it or not. Everyone has the ability to feel more confident. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's different ways and, and techniques and tools to really be able to tap into it. It's like practicing. It's like, it's like running. It's like building muscles. You know, you just have to do something for it. You have to train for it every single day. Um, and most of that is obviously mindset where, um, you know, recognizing any negative patterns that you have um, and then defeating those patterns, putting something positive in its place. Um, For example, just negative um, Mm self-talk is a big one and I'm sure everyone can relate to, including myself. Um, Just starting to practice awareness around our negative self-talk and how often we speak negatively to ourselves is a great first step in building your confidence, right? Recognizing it and putting a stop to it. Maggie, just like you said, talking to yourself. I recommend if you, the first bit, like you start to hear that internal chatter of I'm not good enough. I'm not fast enough. Um, I'm not smart enough. I'm not enough in some ways, then just say like, shut up. Thank you for sharing enough. (laughs) And say it out loud if you're in public. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) No, don't do that. (laughs) I'm not the expert, obviously. Go for it, I say. (laughs) Fake it till you make it. (laughs) Yeah. So, Jen, we got a lot of questions on Facebook about specific scenarios in which runners might feel unsafe. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'd like to play through a couple of those, Um, like this one from Angela. She said, I recently had a very creepy situation at a local track. How do you stay safe when passing someone multiple times? And then if you feel um, like you want to answer this part of it and how not to feel like your run is a wash when you dip out because you don't feel safe. Mm, Got it. Um, thanks for sharing Angela and sorry that you had a weird experience. Um, and I bet most of your listeners have, mm-hmm. um, at some point, whether, you know, running or not, but again, this kind of goes back to awareness and intuition and intuition plays a huge role in personal safety. Um, and that's why it's so important to kind of like what I said before, there's no right or wrong answer. It's not so black and white all the time. You really have to be able to tap into your intuition to learn, to, um, 
get messages, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We have this internal intelligence, if you will. I like to call it an internal GPS. Mm. Um, This intuition is kind of always giving us messages. Turn left, go straight, keep running, stop running. Something's off. Something doesn't feel right. Um, Trust this person. Don't trust this person. Mm -hmm. You've all had those experiences, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, most definitely, yeah. Yeah, whether you feel it in your gut, some people will, their hair will raise on their arms, they'll get a tingle on the back of their neck, or just a thought, you know, that keeps coming up. So that, uh, to me, is, would be the, 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 the first place you go in an in a instance like that, because I don't know exactly what, what was mm-hmm. um, setting her off about going around the track and seeing this person. I'm assuming it was an intuitive feeling that she got that something didn't feel right. Maybe mm-hmm. this person was um, staring at her. I, obviously if there was physical following her, then that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Um, but if your intu- intuition is kicking off and saying something about this scenario doesn't feel right, go home, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> get out of there as fast as you can. But when I'm teaching self-defense um, kind of the bounce. So I, already talked about a which is awareness b is boundaries mm-hmm. um creating physical and even mental distance if you can from something a person place or thing that doesn't make you feel right so if you are ever confronted by actual physical you know attacker someone following you someone's getting too close someone getting in your personal space right you have two options one is going to be create distance and space from that person if you can Mm-hmm. And the second option is verbally confronting that person, letting them know what your boundaries actually are. And that can be a whole slew of different ways. Back off, get out of my space, do not touch me, get away from me. I'm calling 911, right? Those are all different examples of options that we have about creating boundaries. Now, I also teach this stuff in corporate settings too, which is a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you think of less physical assaults and more of like verbal assault, assault someone putting you down, someone um, speaking into you, speaking at, to you in a way that doesn't make you feel good, makes you feel vulnerable or bad about yourself. Again, you have two options: physically remove yourself from the situation if you can, or verbally confront that person. And maybe it's not a back off, get out of my space, Mister. But um, you know, there's again, different ways where we can use either sarcasm or um, questioning and different ways to um, assert what your boundaries are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, this question from Anne is kind of ripped from a headline that we all um, saw recently. I think it was a couple years ago, but any tips for using public restrooms safely, like in a park or along a trail? I'm always trying to go as quickly as possible and get out of there since I feel like someone could follow me in or be lying in wait to attack me. We all know the story, do we? Or should yeah. I tell it? Um, we, we actually had her on the podcast yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that, so that, yeah. I mean, if you want to give us- It's so traumatic. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So Kelly Heron, for those of you that didn't get to hear the podcast, mm-hmm. um, I love her story and I actually, you, you know, tell her story um, when I'm speaking to corporations, (laughs) to all kinds of people all over the the United States um, because it's so powerful. And basically um, in a nutshell, she was 
she was attacked in a, in a public restroom. So I think about that all the time. Yeah. I would say, you know, getting in and out as quickly as possible, obviously is, is the very first thing that comes to mind. Um, and secondly, and I just want to address this because I hate when I hear, um, you know, safety experts always saying, don't telling people don't run without a partner or Mm -hmm. always run in groups. As you know, I'm sure like that's not always possible Mm -hmm. and we shouldn't have to live in fear and not run alone um, and not do the things that we love because we're worried we might get attacked. Like that's a horrible way to live. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Most definitely. yeah. 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 So so, you know, yeah, it would be great to say, you know, make sure she has a someone to go to the bathroom with, but that's not realistic. Um, so get in, get out as po- quickly as possible. I would say um, some other things we could talk about pepper spray, but I, I think it's coming up in a question <clears throat> in a few. Um, but having something like that pepper spray, personal alarm, um, what Kelly did was use her voice so powerfully in a way that she alerted a bystander. Mm-hmm. So it's important to also see if there are any other people around in this park um, that are close enough that might be a potential bystander that could help. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what else? And yeah, the whole, you know, close if the door is open or closed as you're walking in, that's something to think about too, because you want to think about physical boundaries mm-hmm. um, as well. That's part of the B in my ABCs is knowing spatial awareness, mm-hmm. right? Um, spatial awareness is basically your body in relation to different uh, things around you, physical things in the, in the, in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that door being a physical boundary, are you walking into the door? Can someone walk in after you and lock that door behind you? Um, is it, can you lock it yourself, right? That, that would be the safest scenario if it's just a, a toilet where you walk in and lock the door behind you. Okay, great. Right. Now I have a boundary from anybody else, but it's that public restroom where people can come and go. That's, yeah. that's where it can be a little more dangerous. Yeah, the ones with multiple stalls and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. So I would just have my pepper spray ready in my hand um, and be extra alert and aware. Obviously, all music off, pepper spray in hand, and do your business and get out as fast as possible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's um, one of the reasons there's um, here in Portland, there's always houses being remodeled. So there's a lot of porta potties, um, Uh you know, just on the sidewalk. And and, um, sometimes I feel those are a safer option just because, you know, there's. Mm it's a very confined small space. So, um, and you can certainly lock the door. Yeah. Yeah. So this question comes from Audra and it's, um, a little bit long. She says, what do you recommend we do when someone who is driving slowly by, or has even turned, um, their truck, this in her mind, this person's driving a truck around to follow you. Um, should you stare down the slowly driving guy, say hello, take a picture of his license plate, um, is that too assertive? And she said, I sometimes think I should just yell out, hey, Mike, or someone's name as if it's a case of mistaken identity. And in addition to um, give maybe giving some pointers on that, the part of this question that intrigued me in particular is the, is that too assertive part of it? Mm. So, um, you know, please address that question of is, is there such a thing as being too assertive when it comes to personal safety and well-being? I, um, I'm interested to hear your answer. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it would be the same as your answer, just that you picked that up as something, you know, uh, to talk about. A talking point is important. No, you can never be too assertive. That <laughs> yeah. is my answer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, mine too. <laughs> yeah, it's your personal safety. Number one, safety first. Um, who cares if we're, you know, I think we're trained that way as young girls to, um, you know, speak when spoken to or be soft and polite and don't hurt anyone's feelings. All of that is BS when it comes to your safety. I think it's absolutely important that you need to assert yourself. A lot of the ideas that she gave Audra, um, were, were good. But again, I go back to starting with intuition. Mm -hmm. What is it about the car driving slowly that, you know, makes your intuition kick off? Um, what, you know, what are the people in the car up to or the person? Mm -hmm. Are they staring at you? Um, in that case, yeah. So C of the ABCs, and I love how the question just flowed like this. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. Um, is about communication and powerfully communicating. So, um, again, I'll teach that first and foremost, the most important part of communication is body language. So being assertive, you can do that non-verbally right away, which I already did talk about this, I guess. Shoulders back, head held high, make eye contact with that person so they see you seeing them. There's no sneaking sneaking up on you because there's no, uh, it takes the element of surprise away, right? Eye contact, boom. I got you, mister. You're in my eyesight. I know what you look like. I can make a description of you if I ever needed to. Um, then as far as actual using your voice, just remember the deeper it is, the more powerful. Mm-hmm. When we start to get scared, um, if you've ever been so, so scared as a kid or wherever you, that you've lost your voice, that's because you're way up too high. You're in your lungs, you're in your throat. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we drop down, even physically dropping into our knees, which is the first part of the actual physical self-defense I'll get into in a bit, um, but dropping down into your belly, right? And almost roaring Mm. (laughs) from there is going to, uh, again, come across way more effectively than than saying anything in a normal tone. Um, I was grabbed on the street one night early on in my martial arts training. And I remember just all of a sudden, I was walking down the street late at night. Uh, next thing I know, a guy's like up my dress and grabbing me. I whipped around to see him. And this time, my I think because of my martial arts training at that point, I didn't go into freeze mode, which could have been a very, that could have been a possibility, right? Mm-hmm. I whipped around. I started to use my body. I was flailing my arms, making myself big, right? As big as possible, taking up as much space on the street. And then started to use a deep tone and just screaming, yelling, whatever was flying out of my mouth. It was rage, right? I was tapping into like this rage, our inner tiger, our inner she-beast, whatever you want to call it, whatever you relate to, it's in there. You've used it before at some point in in your life. I'm sure you can tap into it again. And that's where we need to go. So again, you know, guy following you, not sure why. Maybe you don't go full she-beast mode, but you get into powerful physiology, make that eye contact, um, 
you know, and, and then depending on the situation, you really have to get into your intuition. Do you need to get away? Right. Is it, do you feel threatened or do you need to assert yourself a little more and be like, what, why are you staring? Get away from me. You know, something like that to, to assert yourself. So um, our next question comes from Becky and I think it's going to, again, dovetail very nicely um, (laughs) into you telling us more about actual self-defense. So Becky says, most runners typically have earbuds or music on. What's a good self-defense move when someone grabs you from behind? Yep. There we go. Aside from the <laughs> she-bees. Without the she-beast. <laughs> right. Right. I always think that too, though. I'm like, cause I'm five, four. I, I don't know. Like we said, I don't know if that matters, but I sometimes feel like how would I physically get mm-hmm. away from someone? Yeah. Yeah. Because again, it's scary. So think about the three F's, right? Making sure you don't go into frozen mode. Um, if you're grabbed from behind and you have no idea it's coming, that's scary. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. trauma, right? That's traumatic fear right there. Um, and when I was grabbed like that night, I just, I remember there was a, I can't remember how long it was, but it felt like a half a second. I mean, there's an instance where you're kind of like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And then when you realize then, okay, now it's go, go, go. And w- when you're grabbed from behind, like in a bear hug or something like that, someone is usually a, a predator an attacker is going to want to get you to the ground. That's where they're, you know, you're going to be more vulnerable, unfortunately on the ground. So the immediate thing that I teach, the very first physical thing is to what's called basing out, but basically it's dropping your center of gravity. So if you are, you were running or you were walking, um, you're upright, you want to drop where your knees are slightly bent, um, or, or more bent than slightly bent, I should say, uh, kind of like what I say, if you can picture a squat and then a lunge, and then a squunge would be a mixture of both of those <laughs> where you're just kind of dropped down, knees are bent, not, not to a 90 degree angle necessarily, but enough where you feel sturdy on your feet. Your feet are separated. Your hips are wide. You're basing out. Um, and there you can, you're either throwing that person kind of off their own sense of balance um, or you're going to follow up with eyes, throat, groin, which is the next kind of step or thing. Uh, The first kind of rule of self-defense or rule of a fight, if you will, because right now, now you're in a fight. Um, If someone is actually on you, attacking you, right, is to either deflect um, the initial assault. Okay, well, we couldn't because we're in it and they grabbed us. Um, so the second rule is to close the gap, meaning get as close to your attacker as possible. And then the third is to acquire and fire, acquire your targets and fire away. Mm -hmm. So in this, in any case, the three most effective targets are going to be eyes, throat, groin. Um, and I'm sure you've heard that before. It's pretty popular in any safety training eyes, throat, groin, because they're the most, um, they're soft targets, which are going to make them the most effective, most efficient, meaning again, any woman, any person, any size can get to them 
efficiently and do the most damage with the least amount of effort. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this one is um, kind of related to, you know, being in a physical fight or being grabbed from behind. Um, Sarah says she thinks this is a little silly. Of course, there are no silly questions, Sarah, but she says, I have long hair. I haven't found a comfortable hairstyle that keeps my hair up, um, but doesn't provide an object for an attacker to grab. So do you have thoughts on, um, hair safety? You know, is there a certain way that you recommend we should wear our hair aside from a braid or ponytail? Um, I don't because I don't know any other options. <laughs> but, Shave it off, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. and, and I wouldn't say go and cut all your hair off for safety reasons. Um, <laughs> but what I would say is obviously to learn some basic self-defense. In my online self-defense course, I actually have a ponytail um, defense, you know, from a ponytail grab. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and I can walk through that, but basically picture yourself being grabbed by your pony. Um, it's going to jerk your head back into whatever direction, again, that person is pulling, usually towards the ground. First things first, exactly what I said before, is basing out, keeping your center of gravity low and trying to keep your balance so you don't get pulled to the floor. And simultaneously, at the same time, grabbing your head you know, his, or that person's hand, um, kind of securing it. So you're, so you can almost try and not get pulled if that makes sense. So you're putting your hand on top of the attacker's hand and keeping it to your head as tightly as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While then you turn into your attacker, eyes, throat, groin, try to get away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, so a question about self-protection that came up from a different type of predator. It came up a lot when we asked for questions. Um, and so, um, and it's about dogs. Yeah. And so Jen, I don't know if you have advice about dogs, but the, you know, like Jill wrote on our Facebook page that she had just come back from a run where two dogs were growling at her heels and all mm. she could do was scream to scare them off and it really shook her up. And it was just, and then that was just a, then a cavalcade of people's comments about what had happened with them and, dogs, you know, lunging for them or, you know, whatever on runs. Yeah. Um, I've been bitten by a dog and it's not fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I was heading into this woman's house to drop something off as a favor for someone else. And she said, come on in, come on in. So, but the, she was in the house and the dogs didn't see me or dogs didn't know that she gave me permission, right. To Mm -hmm. enter the house, but they just see me coming through the gate and they just attacked me. Mm. Um, so it's, and I know how scary that can be, um, in this case. So, you know, I, and I am also an animal lover, so I hate to even say this, but there is a special dog pepper spray. Mm. Um, I'm sure it's very similar to this, to a human pepper spray, but they market it that way, I guess, for this reason. Um, Mm. but it's humane. It doesn't last very long. It doesn't do permanent damage to the dog. Um, but in that moment, basically how a pepper spray works is once it hits the person, um, across the face, or in this case, the dog across the face, um, the impact will then spread little droplets of capsaicin, right? Pepper, Mm -hmm. hot pepper to their eyes, burning their eyes. So, um, it's not a pretty thought, but if a dog is attacking you, I guess you got to do what you got to do. Um, other people will say, you know, try and, um, 
kick the dog in the face or something like that. Um, if it's attacking you again, I, I was caught off guard and, mm-hmm. and cause I was entering someone's home. Um, but those are the only options I can really think of is mm-hmm. if you have it, I love that she was yelling and it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that's a great one too. Mm-hmm. Powerful communication. Yeah. I sometimes, I know that I've, um, Sometimes, you know, if I kind of see a dog in the distance, it just kind of, again, my intuition tells me something might not be great, but um, I'm thinking about a time when I lived in Wellesley, Massachusetts. So unlike Mm -hmm. Portland, there weren't like a ton of sides, you know, I couldn't just turn left and avoid the dog type thing. And I remember I looked around and um, found a um, kind of sizable rock. And um, Mm -hmm. just as I ran, because it was, it was in its front yard and um, I was like, oh, maybe it has one of those electric fences. Maybe it doesn't. Right. And so I just, and I, and um, just kept uh, going past, but just thought, okay, if it starts coming toward me, I'm hopefully going to hit it with this rock. So I don't know. I, I didn't have to find out whether that worked for me, but. And um, that's a great idea too. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. 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 I think I've had way more run-ins with dogs than creepy people. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Stay tuned. <laughs> um, so speaking about pepper spray, um, Cindy wants to know, how do you prevent it from being used against you? Yes. Um, so that's, again, one of those kind of misconceptions, I think, around pepper spray mm-hmm. or myths that, you know, it could easily be used ag- against you. I have one right here, actually. <laughs> most of them are designed in a way where you know exactly how to grip them. So the one I'm holding right now has like a grip. Mm-hmm. So you know where your fingers go immediately. Um, there's actually running pepper sprays as well. Um, Saber makes one that just has a uh, um, grip, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a handle. Like a safety. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's right there. All pepper sprays have a safety on them, meaning that you can't just spray it unless you move the safety latch. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing, um, deterrent from someone being able to use it against you. So you have to have it in your hand, first of all, um, facing the right direction, which I said is pretty easy because they usually are designed in a way where you have to. And then a pepper spray the beauty about a pepper spray versus something like a taser where you have to be very close to someone to use it. Mm-hmm. A pepper spray can be used up to, they have varying feet, but around 10 feet away. Oh. So you can keep somebody at bay mm-hmm. um, uh, by using it, which is great, right? It's to, to create distance and space from, from your attacker. But someone would have to be on you already and they'd have to be in control of your hand to actually have it used against you. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely on the Facebook page. Um, several people chimed in, including one who had indicated that she had um, self-defense training. She was like, Oh yeah, that, and she said exactly what you said. Oh, that's a myth. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. studies have shown it does not get used against the person who's carrying it. Right. So, um, so for this final question, I was really intrigued by it and it um, takes a little different tact. It's from um, a different Sarah and she says, please speak to what men can do to be an ally to women runners and help increase safety for women runners, whether they're friends, spouses, coaches, run club leaders, bystanders, running partners, mm-hmm. um, you know, that um, running safety and running, you know, we really need to acknowledge the role men have in our daily reality. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I love this. And there's we can go so many different directions, right? With it. Mm-hmm. What what I think of immediately is say like other runners, what can they do to help us feel safe? Um there was there's been a couple of times where things have gone viral about as a woman runner, uh, what are the things that you do to like not get attacked, right? Mm-hmm. Where that is something that men probably never think about. Um, before leaving their house and the responses, you know, or everything from like, I grab my pepper spray or I put one earbud in and one earbud out. I keep my music low, right? All these different things that women are almost, you know, trained to think about, um, unfortunately, because that's our reality. But as, you know, being a, a guy runner running in the same area as somebody, I always think of you know, my heart will start to race and pound in my chest when I feel, when I hear someone running up next to me. Mm. Um, and especially if they're, it feels like, or I hear them getting faster and faster and faster. Does that make sense? Have you ever felt yeah. that? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think other runners, if you're, you know, a man or even a woman and you're behind another woman, um, give that person a lot of space. Mm-hmm. Try not to like run up next to them and, or, and cause it really does frighten. It, mm-hmm. it, can, it really frightens me anyway. I won't speak for everybody, mm-hmm. but I've been in plenty of situations where I've been like, <gasps> you know, mm-hmm. um, and so just like can... takes you down on the trail. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My <Yeah>. bad. <laughs> totally. Um, and then like other examples, like, do you want to give some, some specific examples? Cause like I said, there's so many different ways to go with this. Yeah. I mean, well, what, what Sarah was talking about was like, you know, in the days of when we could go on group runs, you know, mm-hmm. if, um, you know, maybe there'd be a, a man who would say, oh, okay, I know a couple of women are still out there and there are other couple of runners who's to say who um, would be the back of the pack to kind of go and sweep around or to, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe start a few minutes later if, you know, they're some, you know, 20 something speedy dude. So they, you know, mm-hmm. so they know they're sweeping or, you know, if there's supposed to be a cool down, you know, don't say, oh, okay, well, it's dusk is setting in. Let's, you know, now do 15 minutes of cool down and let's run out a mile and back a mile or something. You know, it's like, no, no, no. Okay. Let's all stay here in this little area or let's do it at a, a track so that we can all be within proximity of each other. And right. um, yeah. And I think just even just um, other runners, whatever gender they are, just remembering that, like you said, you can kind of surprise people. It's the same thing that when I'm on a bike and I, um, you know, about to overtake, um, typically walkers, you know, I would say, you know, on your left and it's not that they're in my way. Mm -hmm. It's that I, I I don't want to scare them. Right. And, and, um, you know, and, and obviously typically then they always move left because they hear you say the word left, but, you know, um, yeah, just, um, remembering that you have an influence on other people's experience and kind of giving them a heads up and, um, you know, an awareness, um, that you're, you're out there and you see them and, and that you're going to give them wide berth or whatever. Well, and what we're doing right now is having this conversation, I think is really important because again, this is not a, um, an attack on men. I just don't think many men realize what our experience is out Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So, so having them having conversations like this with running mates, with running coaches, if you know, your coach Mm -hmm. is a male and saying things like, um, so what do you do 
before you go on a run or while you're on a run to not get attacked and watch their faces. Sometimes they're just like, Mm. I do this a lot on college campuses. If I get the opportunity, I speak to a lot of sorority women, but if I get the opportunity to also talk to the frat guys or just male students in general and have these conversations, like, what do you do? And then you just watch their faces. They're dumbfounded Mm -hmm. because it's not something they think about. Mm-hmm. They don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, it's a part of our everyday reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jen, you have been just very enlightening and um, this has been really great. Thank you so much. Thank you. And to your community with such amazing questions. Honestly, I have to say out of all the podcasts I've done on this topic, this has been, these questions have been really, really great. Oh, good. Oh, okay. good. Yeah. Good. Well, well, all the more re- all the more reason then that it's great that we're doing um, a joint giveaway t- um, together. So I'll mention yeah. that, mention that now before you leave, in case you want to chime in or something. So that if people are listening to this podcast on the day it drops, which is Friday, July third, twenty twenty, be sure to check out um, at the Mother Runner on Instagram. And um, Jen, if you want to let us know your Instagram handle as well. Mm-hmm. It's Jen Cassetta, two N's, two S's, two T's. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so we're having a one-day giveaway. Um, and then, so one lucky winner will win registration to Jen, one of your online She Warrior self-defense courses, plus um, Saber Safety Running Pepper Spray. So yes. um, a really nice giveaway. So again, go to either at the Mother Runner or at Jen Cassetta on Instagram today, Friday, July 3rd to enter. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon, not by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures, because he's away for the week, but by Jonah Gill Newfield of Puddle Creative. And thanks to Jonah, many happy miles. <laughs>